Building the fashion businesses of the future together. Welcome to the future of fashion business. The future of fashion business is about helping aspiring fashion entrepreneurs and designers start their own successful fashion brands by learning from the best, most experienced people in the industry. I am your host, Esteban Julian. For more advice and to learn more about how I started my own fashion brand, make sure you follow my fashion journey on YouTube at Esteban Julian. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Future of Fashion Business. I am your host, Esteban Julian. On this week's episode, I sat down with Senior Design Director and Michael Kors, Rob Price. Now, just a heads up, this is probably, if Rob keeps his word, of course, and if he's listening to this episode, this will be a reminder, (laughs) uh, that this will be part of a two-episode sort of structure. And the reason why was because it was just so many things that I wanted to cover with this episode. Uh, Design is a topic that I always find incredibly interesting. And Rob's experience on building design teams and learning how to manage them is something that I just really, really wanted to talk a lot about. Not to mention how relevant uh, management is in times where, you know, because of this whole coronavirus issue, things Uh, when it comes to managing people, managing teams and getting stuff done from a corporate perspective has been changing a lot. And it's definitely a topic that I would like to cover in the future. So that's why we'll probably be divided into episodes. That said, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about what you'll learn and what you will you listen to in this episode. Uh, I was lucky enough to have Rob share a lot of very, very valuable information on how to actually build a design team. Now, this definitely won't be able to cover all of this nitty gritty details of what building a design team is all about, but definitely all of the most important principles that you need to understand in order to be able to do it efficiently or to be able to do it in the future. You know, maybe you're in the point in time where you're actually looking to expand your design team, or maybe you're just um, curious on how, what's the most productive way to go about it. And not only how to build the design team, but also uh, the art of, you know, managing people and managing creative talent. Because it's always a lot harder than people actually think. and But at the same time, it's also something that is extremely fulfilling, extremely fun. And at the end of the day, one of the biggest and most important parts of this industry. So that said, hope you enjoy this episode. Awesome, Rob. Thank you for being here. I'm very, very excited to have a design director in my episodes. Thank you. Happy to be here. You know what? It's actually quite challenging to get people in design. And when I originally started this episode, I thought the people that were going to want to get here most were going to be, you know, uh, <laughs> designers or creative directors or people that were, were a little bit more involved with the, with the creative part of the industry. But funny enough, most of the people that join the podcast come from like, you know, logistics and merchandising and like sort of areas that you didn't really expect. Uh, Really, that's that's funny. I, I wonder why that is. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe other uh, maybe the designers are just too focused on their designs, and you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea what explains it. But I'm glad I have you you here, of course, because I'm gonna make sure that uh, I make this episode worth it. I'm sure there's so many cool things that we're gonna talk about. Awesome, Rob. So yeah, just so people that don't know who Rob Price is, can you give us a little bit more uh, background on what your story is, how you started in the industry? I lead creative teams to build global brands and design products that exponentially grow revenue. Um, Over the last two years at Michael Kors, we've uh, grown the business there. And previously I was at Coach, leading the men's design team there where we grew that business to almost a billion dollars. And 
a 700% growth uh, over the course of six years. Um, these successful growth stories come from a design strategy that marries modern innovation with timeless luxury design. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an industrial designer, I've been able to lean into a truly unique process that's proven successful in the fashion and lifestyle industry. Yeah. I'm passionate about collaborations that create a more sustainable future for fashion and design. Amazing. So you originally started as an industrial designer. Yeah, I went to school here in Brooklyn, uh, Pratt Institute. It's oh, right. a, um, they have a fashion design program, but also have a, a really well-known industrial design program. I studied that and started my career as an industrial designer, um, doing housewares, furniture, um, a lot of kitchen products. I could go into most people's kitchens around the world and find some things in their uh, kitchens or their kitchen drawers that I've designed with so. Uh, a fun little f- fact about um, where I started. Uh, from there, I, I went into the travel design industry, um, designing luggages, mm. um, bags, and then from there, kind of evolved into uh, more of the bag design world, and you know, went into fashion design through there. Awesome. And, and how was the process like? Was it more like, you know, you started straight after you need to have, you know, a generic role at a company and then you slowly started progressing or how, how did that sort of process look like for you? And, and eventually how did you, I mean, how did you end up in fashion? Um, it's an interesting arc actually. I, I um, would, you know, it's kind of like art, for example, you, if you're an expert in watercolors, mm-hmm. You're, you definitely have the right tools to do oil painting or acrylics. Yeah. It's, um, it's like taking the process which you have established and applying a different medium. And I think that's one of the beauties of industrial design is uh, it's a skill set that really encompasses all aspects of design. So mm-hmm. to flow from designing uh, hard goods and products and home pieces into fashion design, um, you know, it was an interesting transition because it's definitely a different industry, but mm-hmm. the design process is the same across both. And I think uh, one thing is when you come with an outside perspective, it allows you to bring some really interesting things to the table that aren't um, in some of these industries. If you climb up in a very linear way, mm-hmm. um, you know, my experience in industrial design and product design has shaped me in a certain way that's brought some really um, interesting points of view, especially in the innovation and, um, you know, working with technology and new materials and mm-hmm. I've been able to, to kind of fold that into a, a fashion process, um, that's, you know, proven to, to work really well within the industry. That's awesome. And yeah, that's, and, and that, that's very relevant right now, right? I mean, because nowadays with the whole sustainability thing, it's the perfect time to start really focusing on, you know, how can we innovate our products, leveraging technology uh, to become a you know better, more sustainable brand in the future. So it's something that's very relevant right now, right? Absolutely. Especially with, uh, you know, in the middle of this Corona virus pandemic, mm. um, there's, um, you know, a call to action within the, the fashion industry and in all industries as creative leaders and um, designers um, to start making a change in how we do things, whether it's process, the actual things you design, uh, the way you interact with people. Uh, you know, there's a big reset that's being hit um, right now by just the nature of 
of the financial aspect of it all, plus mm-hmm. just how things have, have always been done. It's, you know, allowing people to kind of think differently and, and leverage some technology um, or sustainable approaches and, and those things that would have been harder to kind of build into a supply chain or um, an old process in the past is now mm-hmm. becoming, um, you know, crucial. And, you know, as we come out of this ep- uh, pandemic, you'll see a lot of these shifts happen in a much bigger way than they did before. Amazing. Awesome, Rob. Well, before we actually get into the whole design process and how that is relevant, especially right now um, with everything that's going on, I do want to ask you something that I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about. You mentioned that you worked at Coach. Uh, it was part of your career as a senior design director. Uh, what, what time was this more or less? Uh, I started there in 2011 uh-huh. and I left about 2017. Right. So it was during the, the period where coach really made sort of a, a really interesting change in what they were actually about. Right. Yeah. It was actually a, a, a great period to be there. Um, I joined right when they were starting to build a men's business. Yeah, they exactly. Uh, that's where the product completely changed. Right. Yeah. And then, um, after two years, uh, we got a new CEO and a new creative director Mm -hmm. And we shifted the brand, um, you know, Coach is such a lovely brand with a a huge history behind it. Um, And where we started to take the brand is is towards a more um, fashion approach by having runway shows. We actually, for the first few years, did exclusive men's runway shows. Uh, We did it in LCM, the the London Fashion Week. Um, And it was a great great experience and great time to be a part of the brand um, as they first started men's and then as the brand itself transitioned into more of a, a you know, American luxury house, if you will. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's, I, I find that transition very, very interesting because I mean, coach is one of those brands that you, you could really feel. And, and I wasn't really a, a, a coach fan or, or anything like that, but even somebody that me that, I mean, I was around the fashion industry. I was, I was interested, but coach is always, I, I've always have that picture of coach and the, the transition that they made in their product, which I think, I think is super, super interesting. It's going to be hard to relate with what I actually want to talk about in this episode, but I just thought it was something that, that people might also be curious about. Uh, now going a little bit more into the topic that I would like to cover. It's going to be a, a very broad uh, topic, so I do hope we can cover it as much as possible. Uh, and I think it's something very relevant with everything that's going on, which is, you know, you know, building and managing design teams and not only doing that, but how do you adapt those, uh, how do you adapt those principles into, you know, just the world and what happens, like exactly what's happening today. So I guess the first question that I want to ask you is how do you, what's, what's the biggest, uh, the biggest change, uh, that you've noticed happening or I guess any epiphanies that you've realized, uh, or come to recently due to this whole coronavirus thing and having your team now pretty much being home-based. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting time and it's an interesting, uh, adjustment period. Mm-hmm. We are having to to look at how we work in a, a completely new way. Um, and fortunately, I, I have an amazing team and they're all extremely talented and, and just fantastic people to work with. Mm-hmm. So we've 
been able to use that rapport that we already have and, and that dialogue that works so well and shift it towards um, a lot of digital formats and, you know, kind of communicating, um, you know, you know, we're all still based in New York, but um, being able to communicate through phone calls, through sending, you know, files of things and, and images and, and really being able to have that creative conversation remotely, um, which is new to us because we, we work in a creative environment where we're really hands-on mm-hmm. playing with materials um, you know, looking at products, making prototypes, being able to have that, that hands-on tactical approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we had to, you know, take a pause from that and, and work in new ways um, that are teaching us a lot. It's, it's incredible to be able to work in this new way. Definitely there's uh, a challenge in actually being able to hold something physically and have a sense and how it drapes or fits or you know functions mm-hmm. um but I'll, i think we have a, a enough experience p- across the team and um a way of communication that allows us to adapt in a way that's actually really productive and allows us to keep moving and designing great products and really Amazing. thinking about those things in a thoughtful way Awesome. And do you think that efficiency would be there if you didn't have that structure beforehand? So if, if, if all of that wasn't built before, you know, you think you could just build it from scratch uh, if you have to through, you know, online? Um, I think these days there's so many more ways to interact. Um, I personally really like um, talking um, one-on-one either through FaceTime or obviously in person's the best, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think sometimes you know, as great as email is, sometimes it's things get lost in translation and or fall through the cracks where being able to just pick up the phone or to be able to do like a video chat, um, mm-hmm. is, has been really helpful. And I think if you started off that way, you could, um, you know, build a, a team or a way of working around that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think these days with the technology and, and a lot of these platforms that are there, I think you could. Um, I definitely prefer being a little bit more analog just because we're working with physical products. Of course. And I think there's something, you know, in that hands-on approach that, um, you know, would be hard to do. Um, but maybe if you weren't working with the, physical products and it was web-based um, or graphics or, or things like that, that don't have to actually, um, you know, have that physical contact. Then I think you could definitely do it. Awesome. And, and yeah, not to mention also the human aspect of it, because, you know, if you're building a design team or any team by that, by that sense, you need to get to know the person that you're hiring and you need to get them knowing well. And I mean, you just can't do that as efficiently online, I'm presuming. No, I think there's something to um, really sitting down and, and working with your team and, and building that rapport and, um, you know, having that, um, you know, that understanding and that trust um, and empathy for your team members that, you know, you work with them on a daily basis and you, you, they're, they become your family in a way and, and you're working with them and there's, you know, there's, there's a lot that happens um, on the 
personal level mm-hmm. as well as the work level. So I think there, you know, you, you have that balance. Um, so I, I think that as I've um, been lucky to work with so many great talented people, mm-hmm. um, I've been inspired by so many of them just as people too. And, and I've learned so much from just that daily interaction with, yeah. with all my team members. Amazing. Now I really want people to have sort of a, I mean, obviously not an in-depth graph of what it is to, you know, build a design team or, or, or work or manage a design team. But I do want people to know exactly sort of the, what the main component parts of it look like. What, what are the things that you should, they should keep in mind most importantly so that they can find uh, when we talk about it in the future uh, uh, of how to adapt to, to times like this, I do want to have like a basic grasp on what it entails. So I guess uh, the first question, it might be a very general question, but I think it will be very, it will give people a very good idea of what des- having a design team is all about uh, is like, I want to ask you, you know, if let's say you have to, you know, either you start your own entrepreneur, um, entrepreneurship uh, venture, or you start your own thing, or for whatever you, reason you have to start a design team from scratch, what would be your, your approach to it? What sort of skills would you be looking for mainly? What would be the things that you definitely have to take on yourself? How would you just approach the whole situation? Because I'm sure a lot of the people have like no idea literally where to start, you know? Yeah, I, I've had the opportunity of, of starting a few different design teams from scratch um, as well as, as kind of um, adopting uh, an existing design team. So I think the most important thing is, is always to understand and to set up before you go about building a team is what's the goals, what's the vision and, and what are you trying to achieve? Um, and as a singular person, a designer or leader, you have to uh, just be honest with yourself and say, what am I really good at? Mm-hmm. Um, what's my role? And then what are those things um, that you need support with? Um, you definitely want to play to your strengths as much as possible because whether you're hired into it or, or that's the job that you know, you're, you're starting your own company, Mm-hmm. You really have to just know what your strengths are and how can you, you know, play to those at, you know, 110% all the time mm. um, and get the right support for you to achieve those goals that you set up and that vision that you're trying to build towards. Amazing. And how do you recognize, um, how do you recognize potential talent for areas that you're not good at? Is it, is it sort of like, do you have, do you need to have an idea or of, you know, the general principles that involve all of the skills needed in, um, you know, the design process or. Yeah. I, yeah. I think understanding the design process because it, depending on what you're designing, yeah. um, whether it's for a big organization or on your own, um, you have to look at what all those factors are, what are those pieces in the puzzle, um, uh, for you to get from inception, the, you know, the coming up with the idea to the execution, whether it's products um, to ship to the stores or whether it's, um, you know, samples into a showroom or onto a runway show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to look at that timeline um, and kind of reverse engineer it and say, okay, if this is my goals and what I want to achieve, 
um, and here's my ideas and you know what you're good at and how to get from the idea to execution and then know what you're not good at and where you're going to need that help. And I think that's how you kind of take those baby steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, you know, it's, it's not just about what you're good at. Maybe the, the volume or the amount of products you need to create or design um, is so much that just one person can't do it alone. And, and that's why you'd maybe want to get a lot of people with similar strengths and kind of build a team around a competency around designing a certain products. Um, I think also having a well-balanced team too, where you could really focus on innovation and functionality, some of those more technical aspects, mm-hmm. um, someone that brings skills of, of storytelling, fun, good sense of color materials, um, you know, uh, experience in, in luxury products or what, you know, whatever it is you're designing a sense mm-hmm. of refinement, some of those technical aspects on, on how to make things. Um, understanding how to work with factory, you know, there's all these variables mm-hmm. and kind of pieces in the design process. Um, so really kind of, as you build a team, you want to make sure that you're kind of creating a well-rounded team mm-hmm. and um, you know, everyone brings different things to the table. So you could kind of answer the needs of the business and, and the products you're creating in, in the most productive way. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So just, I mean, I'm going to explain and using a probably a very bad analogy, <laughs> but you know, if, if you're a chef and you're trying to come up with a recipe, that's the goal to create the best recipe that you can with your current skills or your current vision. Uh, that doesn't mean that whenever there's time to cook it in the restaurant, you're going to cook everything yourself. You know, as, as you said, you need to identify what you're good at. If you're good at, you know, sourcing the ingredients and that's what you do. Or if you're good at just managing the whole vision and that's what you do, but you're still going to need people to clean the food. You're still going to need people to cut certain parts in order for it to be as productive as it can be. Right. So that's sort of more or less the process. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I always go to the, the food analogies too, because I think that's, that's such <laughs> it's a just good so analogy. Easy to do. <laughs> yeah, everyone could relate. It's, it's yeah, great. Yeah. Awesome. And when it, when it came to understanding all the different pieces that were involved in the design process, did you learn them through personal experience as that you actually went through all those roles and did them and understood how they worked? Or was it more of a, you just learned because you were around the process so much? Uh, I, you know, as a leader, I, I think the steps and kind of the tools that have allowed me to be successful is, is, um, three, three things. One is to, um, you know, as a, in a creative field and design field is to focus on inspiration, Mm -hmm. whether that's inspiring or being inspired. I think, as a creative leader, you have to always have that part of your um, focus. The second, and and probably kind of goes back to what your question is, is really see the big picture. Mm-hmm. Um, to know, step back and see the forest for the trees and just say, okay, what's what do we want to achieve here? What's the goal? And what are all those um, barriers and, and things in the process? And and then the last I've always used is, is have a good attitude and, and really be positive mm-hmm. um, about what you're trying to achieve. And, and those things have allowed me to be successful. I think the second one, seeing the big picture, um, you know, forces you to step back and see all the different 
pieces of the puzzle mm-hmm. um, or to your cooking analogy, sort of see those different pieces, you know, understanding the wait staff, understanding, you know, the, the tools you have in your kitchen, the ingredients you have, the, you know, the farmer's market that you could get the ingredients from, you know, understanding all those, those components, uh, understanding how they work to a certain degree, you know, you don't have to be a, a, a farmer, but to understand, you know, kind of what those, <laughs> those, what they have at the, that the, you know, farmer's market, you know, just yeah. being able to have some sense of all those pieces and how they work and the expectation around, um, you know, how you could fit them all together in a way. That's awesome. And I'm bet, I bet there's also a big part of it is also just uh, reduction or simplifying, right? Because I mean, there's, there's so many moving pieces, especially on design teams, you know, the size of the companies that you've worked with. Uh, there must be so many different value variables and complexities that, you know, just show up as you progress. And as a, as a design leader, you need to be able to identify, as you said, just stop, be able to identify what's the big picture, what's important and simplify and pretty much just discard or leave out the things that are not really necessary to move in the direction that you want to go in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, as as designers or creatives, you get so passionate about so many ideas and, exactly. and there's so many things you want to create. Um, but to really be a successful designer or creative person, you, you have to be a heavy editor. Um, you have to be able to explore and expand and, and try different things. But at the end of the day, you have to rein it all in and, and be able to focus and have a really simple message um, that you know, relates to your audience and your customer. And that's, that's easier said than done because I mean, developing that skill right there. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, years, a lifetime of experience. Actually, it's, it's one of those things that you just, you never get good enough at it. You always keep improving at it. And when, when you're starting out and I, I, I say this because a lot of people are just worried about, you know, the technical things, you know, Oh, I don't know about this. So how do I'm not an expert at sourcing and I'm worried about this when the reality is that the skill that you need to develop the most is, is that, you know, how do you become that leader that has that clear vision and knows exactly uh, what's a distraction, what's necessary and what isn't. Right. No, I totally agree. I think, and, and you never, you know, it's, it's subjective to a degree. I think you, people find their own rhythm in their own way. Um, and those things that really resonate with their process, you know, for me, it's, it's a a love, like it probably comes from my industrial design background, but there's this level of, of innovation and functionality and making sure that things really work well. Systemizing. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, whether it's actually the products I'm designing or, or some of the process, I think that's, you know, really important. Um, and a lot of those other things that, you know, you, you bring up, I think you keep getting better at it, but you know, there you're, you're always looking at how you could be better and keep growing. So it, it's kind of an endless cycle. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And do you ever, do you ever let your team influence your vision as a leader? And this is probably relative to every, everybody has their own management styles, but in your, in your personal case, do you let the, your team influence the vision or help with it or add their own sort of signature to it? Absolutely. For uh, This is, specifically to me, but I, I feel that the, 
the tide raises all boats and, and the more you could get everybody um, together and, and, and contributing and bringing ideas to the table, it all helps make things better. You know, that, that creative collaboration, there's, there's so many ideas that come out of that rather than a, an isolated approach. And, and this is from, you know, my point of view, but I think, you know, you, you bring in and build teams with, with experts and talent um, and everyone has their own point of view and their own um, strengths. And, and the more you could let those kind of come together and, and help shape and make things better, Mm-hmm. Uh, the better things will be. Amazing. And I love that you say that because people, I mean, you hear it all the time, you know, when you, when you, when you talk about, you know, people that are in, you know, large executive positions, they always say the same thing, you know, what's the most important thing about what you do? What's the most important thing about this or that? And they always say people, you know, the quality of the people that you work with is the most important thing. And that's, I guess, very easy to understand superficially, but when you actually get down into doing it, it's a completely new level. I mean, you, you can only do the things that you're saying if you have a good team, if you, if you trust the people that you're working with. And finding those people is, I mean, saying that that's difficult, it's, it's quite an understatement, especially if you're just, you know, just an independent entrepreneur, independent designer looking for people that are, you know, believe in your vision and are actually competent and want to do and you know, want to do the same thing that you guys are doing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you actually touched on something that's really important to me. And I, you know, as you're building products and, and working towards growing business and, and building brands, um, there's three P's that I think are really important to prioritize in a certain order. Mm-hmm. And that's people, products, and process. Mm-hmm. Um, by putting people first, and then products, and then the process is, is always allowed me to be really successful in, in how I work. I think the second it becomes a focus on products first or, or even process first, um, you know, it shifts, it shifts kind of where the importance is. And if you put people first, whether it's your customers, whether it's the employees or your team, or, um, you know, the people you're partners with, your um customers and people you interact with on your factories or material sourcing material um, management people Um, those relationships and and that um, trust with people is is so important to have as as the priority and then to build the products into that and and to have um, you know your a process that that works for you know all of those aspects but I think sometimes you get stuck into these situations where maybe a process becomes the priority mm-hmm. and then, and it, you know, it shifts the, it shifts the, um, the dynamic, you know, what you're working towards. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think really just kind of understanding that you're making it, making products for people to improve their daily lives, you know, and creating these um, designs that are for people rather than products that are, you're trying to force people into. Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting thing to to look at and to prioritize as as a leader. Amazing. And when it comes to, because uh, I'm guessing bringing people on and working closely with people is 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 a very extensive and long educational process on. You know, are we, you know, can we work well together? 
You know, do we do we have um, skills that uh, you know are complementary to each other? But also, you know, you have to teach them about you know what the brand is about, the vision. They need to believe in it. They need to like the vision in order for creativity to be you know as productive as it can be. Uh, how do you how do you manage to go along that process? Because I'm guessing, especially in big companies, a lot of people they're just like, oh, you know, what? I'm just here because uh, I know the brand's big, uh, but they don't really have they're not as invested into what the brand is about, uh, which I'm guessing that they need to be in order to be, you know, a good creative, um, person. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, you know, you definitely have to have a clear expectation on what the brand is, mm-hmm. um, what that DNA or, or brand codes are, the aesthetic, the, um, the lifestyle that you're building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think it has to be a, a perfect match. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, you might like um, spicy foods. Someone might like, um, you know, more sweet foods. Uh, and there, you could find Back that. with the food of, analogy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could find that, like, that, that middle point, too, where, yeah. you know, you could bring people um, – and have you know different points of view but then all kind of agree and you know can create and work towards a shared goal so i think that you know you're never going to find these like perfect um you know clones of of people that (laughs) you know are exactly this this one way yeah Um, you know nor should you i I think having a a diverse creative team and and different perspectives allows um you know you know strong ideas to come about Mm-hmm. Awesome. And that also links with the importance of process very well, right? Because uh, again, that process is not is something that's going to happen very organically at the end of the day. If you know, the vision for the brand is clear, if what the brand is about is clear. And if you chose the people that, you know, showed, I guess, uh, very high potential for developing in that environment and chasing that vision, right? Yeah. I think it's, it's establishing the, those aesthetic, goals and vision like you're saying um and you know you have your timelines you have the 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 deliverables you have to say kind of what um what your business goals are what Mm -hmm. you know how many products you're trying to create you you partner with the different aspects of the business to to come up with some clear briefs or or ways to you know set that framework um, and, and then I do think there's a, a lot of back to the thing we talked about earlier with trust, letting people have a certain level of autonomy, um, mm-hmm. and bring their ideas, you know, as long as you, know, you, you have these checkpoints and, and you're constantly like partnering and collaborating to make sure things are, are going, um, in the right direction. But, um, uh, I think a hard thing about being on a leader but also something that you really have to do is let people bring their ideas to the table and do it in their way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes it might not be exactly how you want to do it, but you know, there's a certain level of, of, of allowing that creative process to happen mm-hmm. that just makes some incredible results come um, rather than if you tried to really, um, contain it in, in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. 
And how did you come about acquiring that? Uh, was it sort of a, a more of a self-development process where you sort of understand, okay, you, you learn to identify which, what people you can trust with that freedom or is it more, how, how does that come about? Because I don't even know where to start, you know, improving in that. Uh, you know, I, I definitely think it's something that you work at or constantly working at. Um, but I, I do think there's certain elements that you, you clarify or kind of work with your team and say, okay, here's the things we agree that mm. are going to be really like fundamental or important or kind of musts. Mm-hmm. And then here's the stuff where there's, you know, a bit of a gray area where, um, you know, one person might do it this way another might do it a different way. Um, but at the end of the day here, at least you've clarified what the expectation is. Um, you know, whether it's, um, you're making dessert or, you know, appetizer. Like I think, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, going back to the food analogies, but I think it really <laughs> just understanding what that, what the goal is and, and clarifying that, um, and then allowing there to be, um, a space for creative exploration. Awesome, Rob. Man, I really want to talk about how this all links and how this is all relevant to what's going on right now. You know, the whole team building and management process. But I think that's going to be an episode of its own. Uh, so I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say this and leverage saying this for people to watch the next episode and to leverage and putting you under pressure to do a second episode with us in the future. <laughs> I'd be happy to. This was a lot of fun. Awesome, Rob. Well, uh, now before, because I, I before we wrap everything up, I do want to ask you one little couple of last couple of questions, which are uh, when it comes to communicating that vision. Obviously, you have the expectations, you have the guidelines, but when it comes to something a little bit more specific, or more than specific, something that maybe it's, it's an idea that's very different to what people are used to, or it's something that's very uh, highly uh, has very high levels of innovation. What's the most efficient way? for you to communicate those things? Is it, I don't know, do you, do you sketch the ideas? Do you pro, do you have tons and tons of meetings? Uh, how do you handle that sort of communication challenge? Uh, it's a good, really good question. And I think um, there's two challenges with it. I think when you um, are getting a team to work on that and kind of um, you know, giving that responsibility to, to be, creative and innovative in, in this new realm, uh, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of options, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's so many different way, ways you could go. And I think you just, in your design process, build these different stages where you can have this free form organic exploration. Um, and then, you know, rein it all back in and, and, and kind of look and say, okay, here's, these are the ideas I actually feel like, would be right for us to push and explore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after you get it to a place where it's, um, you know, you, you have it and you could kind of show it to the different parts of the organization or business or, you know, the teams that you're trying to get to try out this new idea, then there's another, another challenge in how do you get people to take a risk and, and take something on mm. that they haven't done before? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think that's just always the, the creative process and design is, is getting to be pushing things forward and moving on and, and coming up with new ideas and new concepts, new processes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, some things work and some things don't. I think you learn from, from past successes and, and start to build new opportunities off of, of history. And, but then sometimes you really have to take a risk and, and be an entrepreneurial uh, spirit in, in how you create and, and see how it does. Amazing. And I mean, at the end of the day, uh, just checking or verifying if, if those efforts were productive, it's, it's all about communicating with, you know, the merchandising team or the sales team and just looking at the numbers, right? Because yeah, that's, that's the biggest uh, way to measure all of it. Yeah, the, the goal is to, is to uh, grow the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think you have a vision to do that. And it comes down to a really important balance of, of that data, that sort of big picture perspective and, and way of looking at it, mm-hmm. plus this creative, uh, innovative approach that, that is, you know, pushing the boundaries and, and trying new things. Mm, amazing. Awesome, bro. Well, before we wrap everything up, I do want to ask you one last question. It's a question that I ask to all of my guests and the podcast. And it's a question that I never get a hit, give a hits up for because I genuinely just enjoy watching the, uh, my guest's reaction to it. <laughs> and uh, that question is, if you could go back uh, to any period of time, you could choose whatever period of time that is, uh, what would be the best piece of advice that you'd give yourself and why? And it can be professional or personal advice. Oh, I, I love this question. It's, it's, it's good. I, you know, I'm constantly, <laughs> I look back at myself and there's uh-huh. those times where you're like, oh, I wish I would have done something different. Uh-huh. But it's those times that really sh- help shape who you are. And I'm, and I'm so grateful for the experiences that I've had and, and how I've kind of moved and, and gone through different careers because they've shaped how I currently am. So it's hard to look back and say, I'd, oh, I'd want to change that um, because a lot of those things shape how you get to where you currently are. So mm-hmm. um, I know it's not really... An, answering it but it's it's just that i'm grateful for all the the amazing experiences and and people i've worked with um throughout my career i think that's perfect advice because i mean everybody (laughs) doubts where they're at in their lives always you know Uh, so it's important to be able to identify the benefits of you know of, 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 of the times when you're uncertain of the times where you don't feel competent or you know x or y or z situation so i think that's very very good advice definitely one of the biggest piece of advice that i give myself as well if i got, got to go back but luckily enough nobody's asked me that question yet because <laughs> <laughs> i have no idea what to answer to either <laughs> awesome rob well it was it was a pleasure having you on i'm glad yeah, it was great i enjoyed it and I, well, I have it. I have it. I have the evidence for it, right? You said that you were going to agree for that second episode, so uh, just keep that yep. in mind. <laughs> Tell me, you got leverage. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Awesome, Rob. Well, I'll see you on the hopefully second episode or second uh, version of this episode. And yeah, man, I can't thank you enough for doing this with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. If you want to learn even more about how you can start your own fashion brand. Make sure you follow me on YouTube at Esteban Julian. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Future of Fashion Business. Make sure you subscribe to listen to our future episodes.